Hello and welcome to the Sovereign Collective Podcast, where we bring you real raw truth for your self-empowerment. I'm your host, Sasha Calavota, and I believe that you can stand on your own two feet, but that you don't have to do it alone. I love learning from people who continually strive to raise the bar, to go against mainstream thinking, and who dare to question the general consensus. People are risking ridiculed or even risk the loss of their professional status as they bravely question the common narratives and challenge the rest of us to expand our minds and to reconsider what we think we already know. Join me in learning how to take control of your health and your mind so that you can have the energy to think more clearly and the confidence to step up and take responsibility for all aspects of your life. We promise to never censor here because I believe you are strong enough to hear the real raw truth to make up your own mind. If you like what you find here at the Sovereign Collective Podcast, then please share with your friends and family. I so appreciate you. Thank you for tuning in. And now, on to the show. for the Sovereign Collective Podcast. Thank you for joining me today. Today I'm with kind of a local teaching educational legend, I would say, in these parts, Blaine Andrusek. And we're going to be talking about the importance of herbology and how you can incorporate that into your life, maybe get into some specific herbs that could be helpful in your life, and really hopefully getting into how we can reconnect with the herbs. Because I think when we understand what's around us and not just look at it as a weed that we have to kill, then we're going to care for it more. It's going to have more meaning to us. And it's more meaning to us. It just brings more meaning to our life. But it, it's a win-win from the environment and for us. And yeah, I just think that's the way we need to go. Okay. So anyways, I got um, introduced to Blaine through Malcolm Saunders. I have attended some of his events in the past. But he wouldn't know me through that. But uh, through Malcolm, the owner with his wife, Laura, of the wonderful light seller here in yes. Colorado store and teaching kitchen and just an educational place and the Lixia bar really great place really great guy and family and people behind that I'm um, through that he said why don't you interview Blaine in your podcast I'm like yeah sure that sounds great so I super appreciate that and so we have made it so today and so before Blaine tells us his story I'm just going to say a little bit quickly about Blaine he is actually one of the earliest grads of Terry Willard's uh, Wild Rose College here in Calgary. A lot of herbalists know that, whether you're from here or across the country. Um, and he fell into being a herbalist very organically, not intentionally, right? Like it's something that he just kind of fell into and it worked for him. And I love it when people's stories work out that way because you know there's a real need that he was providing that way. So he's been teaching, speaking, and practicing all aspects of herbal medicine since 1981. So good long time. And he's also developed once. Later on, he also developed a great focus on essential oils and for people that have shopped health food stores around here. And I don't know how far reaching they go across the country, but it's a whole line of essential oils, body products, therapeutic products you can use for skin problems, things like that, that he also developed right. um, that have been helpful for lots of people. So Blaine, I am super excited to have you here to learn some things from you, to hear about your story directly, to learn about some key herbs and to, to learn more about a couple of herbs that I really well so thank you for being with me today okay okay all right so let's talk about your story why well well i was exactly 50 years ago um i was just a frustrated young man i'd moved to the big city for the first time and had things to do and things i was hoping to accomplish and i wanted to be a photographer's assistant and um I landed a job at West Canadian Color uh, doing photo finishing and 
I liked the job. I, I liked all the people I was meeting with. Um, I feel like I'm looking down. Should I be looking somewhere else? How does this? How does? How does? This, where does this? Where's this camera? You're looking. Totally good. You're great. Okay. So um, I just got frustrated with the whole thing. I was too young to understand working for a living. It, I was just annoyed. And I, it just came into my head one Tuesday evening that I should run away and live in the woods. And I, I had done enough in my youth, um, outdoor camping and doing a bit of bow hunting and that sort of thing that I somehow thought I could survive. So um, that first night, I wrote a list of everything that I thought I needed to take. And after a couple of months of interviewing Native people and wardens and RCMP people and trappers and everything else, I'm proud to say that that list never changed. I think two things were stroken off and two things were added. That's about it. So um, away I went with a bunch of gear in a 14-foot canoe um, being towed by a skidoo with my brother and a friend on the back seat and uh, just for safety reasons another friend of my brother's and and somebody riding shotgun on, on there too so we're towing this canoe it was record snowfalls that year four and a half feet of snow even in in the bush never mind open places and uh, so the trip started at minus 27 and wow. in four and a half feet of snow and an old trapper that i had met told me where this cabin might still be standing and it was generally in the area I was headed for. And if, if I needed to go there and could find it, I was more than welcome to use it. So we found it. And um, um, the roof had caved in and two of the walls had collapsed. But it was a good place to start. It was better than nothing. And so uh, I, I finished out that winter. And I, I had a couple of books with me about working with wild plants. Um, Ewell Goodmans, and uh, there was there was a few different people that had written books like that. But back then, the books were really sketchy. Like, like you got a black and white lawn drawing that could be like 20 different plants. And uh, today, we've got all sorts of good books on the market, many of which I've done photography for. So, um, you know, and I, I could have drowned three times. I could have froze to death. I could have starved. I, I got between a bear and her cubs. All sorts of stuff happened. Wow. But uh, I, I lived there for four where were you? Um, well, people think of north central Saskatchewan as up north, where like the center of the province is actually south of Lac La Ronge. So I was kind of in the middle of the province and just in the bush where I didn't think I'd run into anybody ever. And yet not so far that if I was injured or something, I couldn't walk out, you know. And, and so um, everybody got confused. Like I went to the government office to find out what I could get away with and what I couldn't get away with. And they said, well, where are you going to go? And, and everybody kept saying, but there's nothing up there. And I, I, I just kept saying, but that's what I want. You know? <laughs> uh, um, before I got out of the city, when I told people my old, at my own age, what I was doing, everybody would go, oh yeah, I'm going to do that. So now I'm going to do it. And I call them the shoulda, coulda, woulda, wannabes. And, and older people would look at me, sometimes even tear up. And they just say, you know what? I sure wish I would have done something like that when I was your age, because, you know, as you get a little older, there's all these M words that happen, like marriages, and mortgages and illnesses, and you can't have children and you can't just run off anymore. And I sure wish I would have done that. Some of the elders even started crying, wishing 
they had done that. And some of the elders that were trappers, I met a few trappers and they gave me some hot tips. Some of them thought I'd last about a week and, and would give me good advice, like don't eat yellow snow, you know, and just thought I'd never, never make it. But um, it ended up being four and a half months. And um, I, it was ironic. I didn't know anything about animal totems back then, but th there was something going on with the owls. It was sort of like the owls were keeping an eye on me. And I, I didn't know until much later that that was significant of something. But um, uh, I left for a brief while and came back. And the owls said, you know, you didn't need to come back. You have graduated. You have done exceedingly well. You could stay here for the rest of your life and have a pretty darn good life up here. But that's not why you're here. You were brought back this time to never stop learning and to teach. So go back to town and run away and accomplish something. So when I got back to the city, um, it wasn't long. Terry Willard had just started Wild Road College. And a very dear friend of mine, one of my old hometown girls kind of thing, phoned me one day and said, well, um, I kind of hooked up with one of my roommates. And I think I'm going to marry this guy. So you better come and meet him. And um, I was considering going back to school. And it would have been medical school. And I, I had questions of Terry. And the answers were sort of like painted in the sky with flowers around them and, you know, that sort of hippy dippy thing. And so I, I went to Wild Rose and my, the main reason I wanted to go studying and work more with, I wanted to learn more about the plants because I thought I wanted to go spend more time in the woods. So I wanted to learn more about how to take care of myself for injuries and um, uh, learn more about the edible plants, you know, because the books that I'd had to that point were almost useless, but um, uh, away I went and uh, took some classes. And then having been a teacher now for years, you kind of know when you're teaching, especially with the group that you're with for several months, you, you know where the bright eyes in the room are. And you know that some of the people that are there aren't gonna ever do anything with this information. Some of them will go on inspired by what you have to share and become something. Like I'm proud to say I've had people just, some of those introductory courses inspired them to become naturopaths or go take a full on Chinese doctor course or things like that, right? So I've, I've been kind of the inspirator for changing a lot of lives during my career. But, um, uh, and I've never done a trip as long as that again. Uh, but I have, as I learn more, uh, I, I've often gone out for a long weekend with no food and with my boat and depending on where I was going, a fishing rod. And um, maybe I had a bunch of food in a cooler but I never had to open it, you know, wow. and there's, and, and it kept growing and growing. And then because I was a photographer um, and I was lecturing, I wanted to have images that I could use for, for projecting. I was still, it was all film back then. So I had a slide projector and um, slowly because I got encyclopedias and whatnot asking me for photographs. Um, I was like a bounty hunter and I didn't, I didn't ever, I didn't ever want to be a herbalist. I, I did most of my early studies were just just for the function of first day. And like one of the things you want to talk about is comfrey, right? So yes. um, I kind of fell into this one step at a time. And it was more of a hobby for, for quite some while. But Terry called me one day because uh, Sate had a sold out class. It was like Tuesday evenings for eight weeks or something like that. And um, the guy that was supposed to teach the class had skipped town because he got a better offer from Outward Bound. 
and somebody on the board knew Terry and called Terry. And he said, well, thank you, but I'm booked on Tuesday evenings, but I have a colleague, which was a stretch at that time, uh, that, can <laughs> that can probably handle that for you. And he called me and started telling me all about this course. And I got really excited because it sounded good. I thought, well, gee, I, I re that sounds great. When is it? I, I want to go. I hope I can go. And he said, well, so do I, because I just booked you as the instructor. <laughs> and I was like, no, 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 that's no, no, I can't do that. I, no, absolutely not. But pretty soon, Sate had, you know, I, I got into teachers' conventions and, and to Mount Royal College. And um, it, it just, you know, it just click clacked from there. Obviously, I like to talk, and um, things just, which way are these things going? Anyway, um, it, it went on from there, and um, every time I did a talk, people were asking me uh, how to see me for a consult. I said, well, no, 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 I don't, I'm not a practitioner. I'm not a real herbalist. This is just something I do for kind of a hobby. And I said, no, 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 but you obviously know what you're talking about. I have to bring you my daughter, my husband, my dog, my whoever, who needed fixing. Like I had women almost holding onto my leg so I couldn't get out the door. And wow. so I, I finally gave in. This just looks really wonky. The other way. There, yeah. I finally, I finally gave in and started seeing practitioners. And I didn't want to make a big commitment to a clinic. Um, so I got a, a, a city license to, to work out of my home and there's a lot of parameters you have to meet, but I, I didn't want to be doing something that got me in trouble in any way. So I got a, a proper city license and, um, continued teaching more and people talk. And so I think the teachers conventions have scouts from other cities. So pretty soon I was going to Edmonton and Red Deer and other, other places to do teachers conventions and it just kept growing and um the guy that had been teaching herb one left town and uh so the women at the, the office called me to say well you got to be teaching herb one now and i said well i don't think i know enough to really be taking that on and i said you know enough like terry said Lane, some some of the people do things like this read some books and they know something but you've lived in the woods you know some of these plants intimately you they've helped you get through the night, they've stopped your bleeding, you've eaten them, like, you're the guy, so, so give it a go. So I said, okay, and before long, um, it was Herb 2, and more classes and more teaching, and then it was uh, eventually kind of hooked up doing a bit of work with essential oils, which when I first encountered, um, didn't impress me that much, but somehow a few years later, it, it, it clicked in my head. These these are things that are so, um, just so concentrated. They're they're what you need for hiking and, and first aid kits in the woods and that sort of thing. Because little vial, little vials this big could accomplish so much. And um, so I started studying oils, and then I started teaching oils, and I ended up with like physiotherapists, massage therapists, because I was I was already teaching at massage schools. And, and people were, they'd like, well, where do you get your oils? We want to get your oils. Can we get your oils? And uh, I didn't want to, didn't want to ever be selling retail or wholesale, anything like that. But I'd have, I remember one fellow that had gout and I gave him some dietary changes and suggested some herbal plants. It would have been one of Terry's. And, um, and then I wanted to use some topical oils as well. And I didn't see things on the shelf that I wanted for my own clients. 
And so I started doing things. And people talked. So the guy with the gout had a buddy with gout. And then it, and it worked really well. So then two people tell two people their friends. And everybody talks. What would you put in a gout remedy? I'm sure people are like, oh, I have gout. What what do I are you know with gout? What would you what did you do? What was your blend? Do you, can you still get that blending today? Um yeah, and that was back when I had to be really careful about calling something gout blend because then you need a license from the government. So right. I had to be creative with names. So thinking about an old uh, an old song, Crystal Blue Persuasion. Uh, I forget who did that, but it was a song when I was in high school. And so I just call it Crystal Persuasion because gout oh. is, gout is yeah, mostly yeah. about... Yeah, so, so the main cause in my mind, and um, I mean, whatever my opinion's worth, it certainly helped a lot of people over the years. Um, and... Um, because people taking my courses were already even naturopaths, some of them massage therapists, physiotherapists, all sorts of people. Can we, or store owners, can, can we get your stuff? Like, would you, would you wholesale to us? And I have to wish I've already got a pretty full life. It's not what I want to do really, but okay. And I just kept getting pushed into, you know, and, some people one day I was talking to some, the universe you know, just led you into it. It's amazing, right? And if it well, feels a great need. Yeah, and like one fellow once somebody one night even said, Don't you realize you're being led? Right. Like you are exactly. fulfilling a purpose, right? Absolutely. And it's and, and it started with the owls telling me that this right. is what I was supposed to be doing. Absolutely. So so one step at a time, it grew to the point where I was between live classes. And television work and everything else, I was seeing eight to ten audiences a week. Wow! You know, and wow. you know that's a pretty big time commitment. That is. And then, because I had a full time sales job at the time, and oh. and it was it was good background work because I worked as a wholesale supplier in the beauty industry, and a lot of herbal stuff is involved there, and the the uh, the companies that that supply the wholesalers. Uh, really appreciated that because some of that stuff was ahead of its time. Like we had this one little gal from Texas and they had a big ranch and her husband handled all the, the cattle, you know, but she was an esthetician and she, she started an aloe vera plantation and she was so many years ahead of her time because even her eyeshadows you could treat colitis with, you know, and she loved me because I was the only sales rep she'd met. That actually knew what the herbs were all about and so we got to be good friends and uh, sure enough um at some point uh, and this is just so hilarious how things just, can shift. I just have to gloss. you just said you said with her eyeshadow you could treat colitis with? because they were that healthy they, <laughs> they were they were they were made with 100 percent organic aloe vera and um so again she didn't she didn't have a line initially to sell. She was using it yeah. for her own practice. Right. But again, people want to buy things. And yeah. so it turned into a big line. And she had a she had always being an outdoorsman, she had a product called Retainatan that I fell in love with because oh. I lived I lived by by then I was spending most of my weekends in a loincloth in the forest, you know, and um and doing canoe trips and stuff in my like buckskin clothing that I I uh, sewed myself and all that sort of thing. Wow. And um, so um, I love this retain a tan stuff. And um, what happened was her part of Texas 
had a big weevil infestation and everybody else she knew in her whole part of the state sprayed chemicals. And she refused to do that. So she hired more Mexicans to handpick weevils off her wow. plants. And that worked for a while, but the weevils won. Mm. And uh, I got a note in my mailbox at work saying, uh, we're, we're not gonna be working with that company anymore, they're gone. And I thought, well, what am I gonna do? Cause there's no more retain attend. Like I went to the back warehouse and said, how much do we have in stock? Cause I want every single bottle, put it in a corner. I'll buy all of it myself, not to sell just for me. This stuff's got a good shelf life. So I, I, you know, it all started with making something that I just called Sun Mix. And at the time I went around, a good friend of mine was, was managing uh, community natural back then. And that's back when they were a tiny store. And, um, I went to health food stores to get aloe vera and we had a nice sun or just a skin cream base that a pharmaceutical company made that estheticians would buy from us. And I started mixing those two together to make my own sun mix. And her stuff, retain a tan had been, um, 48% aloe vera and, uh, it worked wonderfully. And anytime. So anyway, so I started making my own and, um, Whenever we'd be out camping, my girlfriend and I, and there was another couple with us or something like that, we'd get sunburned and we put this stuff on and it was like getting kissed by angels. You, if you had a sunburn, you could put it on. It wasn't sunscreen. It was just fixed your skin and you'd be right back out the next day, right? So um, they said, well, where do you get this? And I said, well, my kitchen. <laughs> and they said, well, can we buy some from you? So, you know, I went from making a liter to two liters to quarts to gallons and and that's my, my whole career selling product started with a weevil infestation, which is just, it's just stupid, you know, and, oh, but, that's amazing. That's, but that's, you know, that's and anyway, you know, one thing led to another thing, led to another thing. And for quite a while, uh, a dear friend in town who, who died some years ago, Ray Dunphy was a, a wholesale mm -hmm. of oils and I would get my oils from her and um, still got some of my supplies from the beauty industry and uh, was getting direct and wholesale because I knew all of the these owners and that, but we don't have to go there. Um, so sun, it started with Sun Mix, and then people would say, "Well, can we? But can we get your lavender?" And I go, "No, no, go buy, go buy it from Ray. I don't, I don't want to. I just, I'll sell my blends wholesale, right. but I don't. You know, it just, it's just the stuff I make for my own patients. And I'm not even supposed to say patients. I'm supposed to say clients. Like prescription is the sole domain of." standard practice medicine people, right? You're not supposed to say patients or prescribe. We recommend things and we have clients. So those doors have softened a lot in the years I've been in the industry, but, um, and I've even had the pleasure of getting calls from hospital boards. Like I remember one day I got a call from the, the head of the Medicine Hat College or Medicine Hat Hospital saying, Lane, um, there's a couple of areas like COPD and, and certain endocrine problems that we admit we're not doing very well with. And we hear you're doing some really good work. What would it take to get you to come to Medicine Hat to teach our people? And, uh, and then it, and it went from there. So pretty soon, but I always respected, like I remember being called once to do a four minute segment on the CSCN lunch hour news, right? And it was, that was set up from the Foothills Hospital. And 
they had started this East Meets East, East Meets East Meets West. Do I have some water? Uh, East Meets West little thing that they were doing as an experiment. And um, I was happy to go there. And um, I think it was Barb Higgins at the time. And when the commercials would go and these the little things trail by a little, whatever they call them, up next, they introduce the herbalist aromatherapist. So um, the first things, first thing that Barb said was, Okay, Blaine. Well, for something like a headache, uh, what, what what might you prescribe? And in in my mind, I was thinking, Barb, I love you, but you just you just used the P word, and I I have to respect that. And and I wasted my whole four minutes explaining how, as a herbalist, a, a, the humble herbalist, I couldn't prescribe anything. Okay, and and so. Um, when I got back to my house, the phone was ringing and I ran to answer it. And there was a very deep sort of, uh, well, authoritative voice uh, saying, is this Blaine Andrews? Can I said, yes. And this is Dr. Jenkinson calling from the Food Health Advisory Committee. And we were all watching you uh, on the show today. And, and that you wasted your whole time talking about the P word, you know, because, you know, he said, that's very admirable. You'll be back. And then, he oh just hung, you know, so I could have just, I could have just walked by that, you know, and just spieled on about oils, but I chose to say, you know, well, I wouldn't prescribe, but if I had a headache, I would, you know, I just, it gets so, the ownership of the word, and I think it's, you say you might think it's better if you did, I think it's worse, and I don't think any hospital is going to be calling you up to herbalist to talk about these things on the news anymore. Right. It's a very big divide between big pharma and herbology and naturopathy and yeah. everything else these days. Well, and over the years, I've gotten um, a lot of friends on both ends of the scale, fellow practitioners, um, and a lot of medical people and dentists even, and certainly massage people and that sort of thing. And um, maybe it's just that I'm so Libran, like I'm a Libra, 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 Libra when you do my astrology chart. I'm not big into astrology, but I have friends that are. And when when you do my chart, it's almost like there's no chart. It's just a straight line. Libra, 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 with one little rising, whatever they call them, rising stars or something. And uh, maybe that's it. I don't know. But I have always been, I, I did not like when I was taking herbology. I didn't like some of my peers, the way they would crap all over standard practice medicine. But no, no, we need surgery at times. And we need... EMS vehicles, you know, we need that. Um, and I also didn't appreciate standard practice people crapping all over the little hippy dippy herbalists that were all flowers in the sky and that sort of thing, because we were doing things we didn't have any right to. Because I, I wanted to go, listen, would you all put your swords down so we could work together? Because I've got things in my little black bag that aren't in an EMS vehicle, but they got a lot of stuff that I, I don't have, you know? Herbs well, like it's arnica. Stuff, it's a problem, right? Those emergency, those emergencies, they're good at. Absolutely. They're good at. So, so I want to get into more about, let, let's talk about some um, stuff. Like I know you grew your business and you had all this and that's, and I, I think you can still get the thing. Like I know you can definitely, I feel like you can get your whole, this whole thing of, of the oils there. And we didn't get to comfrey. Well, how much time do we have? We're going to get to comfrey. That's what I want to talk about. 
so I want to talk like your areas of the focus and like I, I really want people to start talking and thinking about herbs and quality because I, I make my own little body butters and I I dabble in all of that and some one thing is comfrey that I've started to introduce into things but also things like herbs that are very practical things like mullen mullen was like my those are two of my favorite herbs that like mullen I feel is a, a miracle herb for me, like you feel something going on and you got a little itch in your lungs, you got something going on, you take some mullen. It's like a magic. So what are the, what are some things that you feel that would be, like what are some of your favorite herbs and how, how can you use them in your life? So comfrey, I really feel get, it gets such a bad rap that it's so dangerous this and that if you consume it, but it's an amazing healer of bones and skin. And so what are some of your favorites? And let's talk, can, can we talk about also mullen and comfrey? And do we want to stick to things that grow here, wild? Well, I think for now, but I think I think people hopefully get to know their plants in their own area. Yeah, but okay. No, for I think Mullen Mullen isn't common right around Calgary, and you got to until you get around Invermere, like it likes really dry areas. You find yeah. you find it in ditches by the time you get to Invermere. And right. maybe along railway tracks yeah, and things like that. And you can. From, sorry, I just want to say, I just, come, I just got back from Clearwater, and there was just mullein all over the place. Yeah, and you we've know. proven, with whether it's a, something good about climate change, if you plant mullein in Calgary, it will grow. I had mullein growing in my front yard before they sold my house here just months ago. Um, my whole world. My whole world as it existed for a long time is completely over. I have to do a Blaine version 2.0. Um, ev everything I owned, including my house and vehicles and every single bit of camping gear and photography equipment and everything I own is now gone and I have to reinvent myself. So that's why I'm doing things like this to, to, to fire it up again. Uh, a woman in um, Kelowna who is a a former student who became a client uh, has been trying to get my stuff or wanted to buy me out for years. And this was finally her excuse. So like you, she makes some stuff. She does, they have a hot yoga studio and she makes body butters and things. And she's been trying to get me for years. So this was finally her turn. So she bought out the oil part of my life. And now I'm doing a lot of um, working on the computer, doing writing and stuff to help out her website and get her going. But Mullen um, um, is one that I didn't work with a lot because it was wasn't here. Okay. And but Comfrey, um, if we pick up a book of um, just Wildflowers of Alberta, for example, a book like that, yeah. uh, yeah. ninety percent of the flowers were never here before our silly white faces didn't show up. So a lot of even. Even most of the weeds on the city's noxious weed lists were right. brought here, oddly enough, intentionally. Like dandelions were brought here by the Quakers because they're such a darn good herd, right? And they introduced them to the indig indigenous people. I, I always want to say native still because I have native friends. They say native to each other, but I, I have to say indigenous now. So uh, politically. Um, so um, the wind helped a lot. You know, and I mean, it's good for so many things. And ironically, and this was another area you wanted to get to, I think, was that 
so many people because we have to have perfect lawns, which are useless. Where, where lawns started was um, people in Europe being able to say, look at how rich I am because I tax, can I swear a little bit? Like, can I say bastards? You know, you know I, I tax you bastards so heavily and, and I get, I have all this land that I can waste it. And you guys have to grow potatoes and things to eat and I'm gonna steal some of those too. So look at me go, I, had, I can just waste my land. And now that's become a standard for you know cities all over North America that you have to have a lawn. And a lot of people get really, really anal about their lawns, so they have to be perfect. So they yeah. use something like WD-40. Uh, no, that's, sorry, um, um, Roundup. Roundup. Roundup, Roundup. yeah. Um, and um, <laughs> have you ever heard of the two-tool rule? There's a, it's called the two-tool rule. There's only two tools you ever need in life, uh, a roll of duct tape and some WD-40. If something oh. moves, if something moves and it's not supposed to, you use the duct tape, and if something doesn't move and it's supposed to, you use the WD for it. So all you need is two tools. Anyway, it's just an old tool. But um, uh, I guess I just have to squeeze that in because I love it so much. Anyway, um, so um, uh, back to Mullen, or sort of um, great healer that you can grow here now because I know I have I've got some that I I put in, and um, uh, it was a mystery to Terry. He, he thought maybe one of his students was playing a trick on him because he just woke up one day and there was a mullein plant in the middle of his echinacea plot. Oh. And, and we, we thought it would never make the winter, but it did. And he ended up with quite a bit of it spreading into the echinacea plot and eventually gave me a couple of plants and I moved them to my herbal gardens. And, and it, it, so we know we can grow it here now. And I've seen it a few places around closer to town. You know, I used to have to go, like I said, to Invermere at least um but um yes uh, wonderful full of mucilage uh wonderful well i mean it's even got the best leaves to use for toilet paper because they're they're soft and fuzzy uh, but uh for ear infections for example uh mixed with a little garlic and you make a what we call a macerated oil where you just let the flowers sit in a warm place uh, like a sunny window um, we can clean it up a little bit um, but Mullen's wonderful for the whole respiratory tract, right? Uh, because it's so mucilaginous, which means it soothes and coats things. So it's the equivalent of cough drops. You got something like bronchitis, and uh, you start drinking Mullen or, or just rubbing your chest with Mullen oil. Uh, we don't snort it, it wouldn't work for that. But anyway, you're right, it's a darn good healer. Uh, and that's an introduced species is all I wanted to say. So so there's a lot of wild plants that don't really belong here, but they are now. And one of them is comfrey. It came here from Russia. And um, uh, when I was studying, all I, all I knew was that there was something called pyrolizidine alkaloids in there, especially in the roots. There's a lot of plants that, that'll say, well, you can have my leaves if you want but you can't have my seeds because those are my babies and I don't want you killing my babies. And if you, if you take my roots, then you're gonna kill me. So you can have my leaves, but I'm gonna put poisons in my roots so that you can't, you can't eat me anymore, right? So anyway, when I, I went through um, just last week because I was doing some work for Anita, is her name, Anita Cole, and her, her business is called Yoga Potion. That's in right. Kelowna. 
So you can access my product. Uh, actually, if you just punch my name, no blame the herd man or anything, just my name. If you just Google my name, you, you'll get into more. You could spend three weeks reading all the crap that's that Google's got on me, right? Um, but you can access my stuff uh, through my website, uh, through Google, I'm sorry, then you'll be buying it from Anita now okay. through Yoga okay. Potion. But yeah. um, so back back to country. Um, it came from Russia and it remained a mystery for years that um, um, I got my first country roots from, from Terry, I think. And um, he'd gotten them from, I think it was Dr. Skagen, one of our, our early naturopaths. I think his son became a naturopath as well. But anyway, he actually had his roots tested and they didn't have any pyrolysidines in them. So he felt okay to use them in his practice, right? And I felt fine that I was getting them. But um, uh, talking to one of the, as I ended up doing talks at big workshops and even working with government people, uh, one of the government people that I worked with said, no, no, Blaine, we, we actually found out, we did a good look at that. And pyrolizidine alkaloids are actually in a lot of medicinal herbs, but they're also in even apples have pyrolizidine alkaloids in them. A lot of, a lot of, um, food that you would buy at a supermarket or a health food store has pyrolizidine alkaloids. But the question is, how much? Right. How much are you using? And so on and so forth. Do you eat a crate of apples every day, or you know? So. And can you let people know why we care about the PAs? Like, what's why? Can you let people know why that's a problem? Yeah, primarily liver. And they, what the government guy shared with me is, we actually narrowed it down to a smaller group of pyrolizidine alkaloids called echimidine, uh, spelled kind of like echinacea, E-C-H, and you can, you can Google that for a whole weekend too. Um, I went through, um, the other day, I skimmed through 600 pages of data on echimidine. And, um, and what's happening is, if you have a molecule that has a, like say a circular structure, it's very, it doesn't really want to play with anybody else because it's already busy. It's a closed circle, like a ring structure, like a benzene ring or yeah. something. Um, it's, yeah. So it's very inactive. But pyrolizidines, their, their shape is kind of like this. It's a larger molecule. And, and there's this big, it almost looks like a crab that wants, or a tick. Like ticks sit on top of grass waiting for somebody like a dog you to walk by and they can clamp onto you, right? Mm. So that's what, that's what a chimidine does. And when you take it orally, um, it'll go after liver cells. It's sort of almost like flesh-eating disease, right? So I didn't want to eat the stuff, and I, I didn't initially want to be using it for anything like cough drops or chest remedies. I just wanted it for first aid. And I, did, I had it from several sources, but the akimidine is primarily in the roots. And even without testing the plant, if you're only using the leaves, you really don't have anything to worry about. So I started making water-based extractions of the leaves. So comfrey, we want comfrey for a number of reasons. Uh, and its old, its old nickname was knit bone, right? Yeah. So uh, we know, talk to any naturopath, they'll agree with me that we get, we need calcium, but the best calcium that you, you, you use is calcium you actually make yourself from silica. So if you've broken a bone, you want to really supplement silica more than calcium. But comfrey's got both. 
so we don't have to argue about that. It's got a lot of silica and it's got a lot of calcium. It's also got a lot of tannins, which are very astringent. I've had deep gashes. I remember one night at a party at my place, uh, somebody broke in a glass and swept it off the, the dance floor. And uh, I was in my congas barefoot and um, didn't even realize I'd stepped on this broken glass. And there was a, a four foot pool of blood on the floor around me. And somebody oh. noticed it and said, Blaine, you're, ble you're bleeding, man. And I went, oh, like I didn't even realize it, right? Maybe I'd had enough tequila or something, I don't know. But um, um, so I looked at somebody in the kitchen just through, there was a path through there for passing supper into the dining room. And I said, Ken, would you just open that door there? There's some red powder. Yeah, and just, just get me a little bit of warm water. And I stirred some, I, I wasn't even, everybody thought I should call an ambulance or something. And uh, I stirred about a half a teaspoon of cayenne into a quarter of a cup of warm water and, and shot it back and went back to playing gums. <laughs> and, you know, people thought I was crazy. But within a minute, it wasn't eating anymore. You know, so. That's what I, love. I love the practical nature of this stuff. Everybody has that in their home. And that's what I want to also give some tips towards the end. It's like practical tips like that. Like, what can you do? With, well, I've done. And those were the sorts of talks that I would do at teachers' conventions. And as that caught on, I would even do them for, like, I did talks for the Bar Association, like lawyers and judges and, you know, people like that. Uh, um, insurance companies, you know, they, they would have a big convention. And on Wednesday afternoon, you can, actually, you can either go golfing or see what Blaine the Herdman has to say. And um, again, my, you know, people talk and I would get more and more teaching engagements that way. Talking yeah. about medicinal properties of things you already own. Yes. Like if you've okay. just cut yourself, how many people have some, like just any sort of black tea, Earl Grey or Red Rose or whatever in their kitchen. And if you've just cut yourself, even a really deep laceration, moisten a couple of tea bags and, and just put them on. Um, and it'll stop the bleeding very quickly. Like, where did I learn that? From an alternative thinking dentist when I was very young and had a tooth fold and it wouldn't stop bleeding. And my mother was concerned. I've had a mouthful of gauze and cotton balls all day. And, um, and she called the dentist. He said, well, just get him to suck on a tea bag. So that's the tannins that are just kind of yep. drying that up? Yeah. So a lot of our wild plants are, are astringents which you can use for anything like gravity and time are sucking our faces off of our skulls, right? And everybody wants to look feeling pretty, oh, so pretty. So when you use astringents, that's why when you get out of um, even Calgary tap water most months of the year is about 8.2, which is highly alkaline. So even if you don't use soap, uh, you know, just having a bath, that's why if you lay in the tub for a while, your, your, your skin, it, it gets bigger. You get wrinkles, right? You just change two dress sizes because you're allergic to calorie tap water. So, so using something like rose water afterwards as a toner is, is, is acidic and it helps neutralize the natural pH of your acid mantle. That sort of thing. Anyway, so we can use astringents and people in our culture, and this makes me crazy, people need to have exactly what they want on the label. So if you want something, something for a beauty product, you don't want to tell, hear me say, use Preparation H, because that's for your butthole. You know? but, <laughs> but Preparation H would work perfectly to, um, if, you're, if a mother, young mother is, has been breastfeeding and is now going to wean the baby off, 
you could use prep. You don't have to buy something called baby wiener. Um, you could use preparation H. You could use it on your face. You can use it on your butt. And, and you, you know, it's, it's an astringent blend. So all I'm getting at is a lot of, in fact, most of our wild plants are astringent. So we could so do, I did. Preparation H for baby weaning, how exactly? Well, as a cream. To? It reduces your breast milk. Okay, that's and it's actually going to perk up your your breasts a little bit back to what they used to be before you were breastfeeding as well. What's the astringent? So, now, now I make products that I'd rather you buy. Yeah, for sure. But, for sure. You know, but and with with different ingredients. But um, this was I anyway. I'm going to get too caught up in that. Um, back to comfrey. So comfrey has tannins, so it they stops bleeding really quickly. Um, me and talking with my hands, and they're not on the screen, so why bother? Uh, I'm going to do that anyway because it's what I do. So um, tannins, which are very astringent, so it stops bleeding. And um, and I'll talk about how you would make that as a liquid extract. Um, and then um, if you take it orally, you're getting, because it's a leaf extract, even if you haven't tested your plants, and back to the government guy, he said, if you want to sell your, your comfy products legally with an HPB number on them, and everything you just have to send in some samples uh for us to test and if there's no achimidine in them you can put a sticker on your label that says achimidine free who knew you can have achimidine free comfy products but i was just taking it on the word that terry got his plants from dr skagen and they were tested once years ago but maybe just from going in different soil so i i think my plants don't have any achimidine but I could give you some roots, and you might have achimidine and other other PAs. It, 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 it's a weird thing that we don't understand exactly why they're there at all, because they're not always there. Some comfy plants don't have any achimidine in them at all, none. And then even if they did, it comes back to dosage. Like I said, how, how much are you going to use and for how long? So if I broke my leg, I would take some of that water-based concentrate that I make and I've just got glycerin in it as a as a um, preservative, right? And uh, I would take about an ounce shot of that three times a day for a couple of months, and my bone would heal a lot faster. And then I'd put it away. There's no reason to keep taking. And if would you even, do a topical balm on it as well? Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, for, if it was like an open fracture or something, I, I've had my knees both replaced, so. Um, uh, the people at the hip and knee clinic uh, on on both accounts from the um, kinesiologists were sort of really queried because I was I had I mm, the first one I was more cautious the second one I, I wasn't reckless I was still really careful but for example I had neighbors and friends telling me there's no way I was going to come back to my three-story home um, and and live as usual. Um, I, I, the woman at the end of the street had had a hip replacement and a knee replacement and her, she had a bungalow and the proper shower and the proper bed height and the proper everything. And I, and we'll bring you food. There's no way you're coming home. And I said, I think, I think I'm coming home. So on my second knee surgery, uh, the guy who brought me home, uh, helped me upstairs, uh, with crutches. He had a, a broken knee once a skiing accident. He helped me upstairs, and about 15 minutes after he left, I very, I didn't want to fall, 
I very, very carefully made myself, made my way back to the kitchen. Anyway, the, the, the point is, two days after getting home from the hospital with a knee replacement twice, I was doing full flights of stairs. And when I was in my, my first post-op um, examinations, like the when the kinesiologist was down below checking the angles, whatever it is they want to see, and that's where she started laughing. And I said, what's so funny, my ugly leg? Like, what are you laughing at down there? And she said, Blaine, at this point, we're usually looking for so many degrees of bend, and you, you're 200% past that. And, you know, you're not, you, it, it, annoys, it annoyed her that I wasn't using crutches, you know, and. But, so what, what, do you, what do you credit all this quick healing to Comfrey? Or was it a combo of things that you did? Uh, Comfrey topically and, and an oil blend that I make topically. Let's, let's round it up with Comfrey. So first thing. The most Allantoin, it's called, A-L-L-A-N-T-O-I-N, yeah. Allantoin, uh, which makes you think maybe it started with aloe vera. I'm not sure about that, but it's called Allantoin. Um, that's a cell proliferant that makes anything heal faster. And the highest concentration is in the youngest leaves. So when I first started growing comfrey, I would, they would get about six feet high in flower and everything. And late summer, we would chop it all down and make the extract. But when I learned about the young leaf stuff and comfrey has so much chi that you can let it get about a foot tall be this nice little plump leaves get about this like 18 inches long and uh, and cut it right flat to the ground and make some of the extract and do that three times in the summer so wow. you get more product in ultimately and better product because you're making it all from the young leaves so you're getting right. silica calcium allantoin tannins Right. And with the knit bone thing, that was especially good for, you know, if you break an arm, you're going to get it in a cast and that sort of thing. But what do you do with cracked ribs or something, broken rib, when you say fall off a horse or you could slip sailboat and run, run into something, you know, really bust your ribs up. So um, you would just have compresses like just uh, where um, tensor bandages around, you know, like an old towel soaked in comfrey extract and put tensor bandages on and it would heal a lot faster but for me i'd be taking it both ways orally and topically right. okay. and so the, the water-based extract um i found now this is a curious thing i had i had always just used a little not even five percent vegetable glycerin as a preservative i probably got that advice from terry years ago and uh, it always worked and i would find half empty bottles, little 10 mil vials of that extract in backpacks that I hadn't used for two years and all over the place. I had them everywhere in my life. Um, and it never ever went moldy or anything. And one of my students one night came up to me and said, Blaine, I, I got some of your comfrey extract and, and I was using it and, and it, the bottle was still about half full and it went moldy. And I said, where was it? And, and she said, on my bedside table. And without hesitation, I said, I wouldn't sleep there. <laughs> like, like your, your bedroom oh. just have so much, you, you must have so much mold flowing around in your house that, you know, I don't know. But it just, it, it annoyed me. But um, so what I started doing, I wanted to have something that was more stable and something that you didn't, when you do something like fall, sometimes you have a little fall 
and you get a little bit of road rash, you know, and you don't even need a bandage kind of thing. There might be a bit of lymphatic fluid coming out and or just, yeah. just little dots of blood. Um, I want something you could just smear on and not need a bandage. So I had to find a thickening agent. I'm not sure, but Knox gelatin might even work. So you make first get back to the concentrated extract. So you're gonna you're gonna chop up a whole bunch of comfrey leaves and stems. Oh, the other thing that's in there is mucilage, same as uh, mullen. So you got, mm -hmm. that's where it became a lung herb as well uh, for the for the mucilage. And I had mm -hmm. one guy I was arguing with at a party one night that you you had to use comfrey root. And I said, well, I've got thousands of people out there that have been using comfrey leaves because I told them to, and they work brilliantly. So, you know, you keep believing what you believe because I'm going to believe what I've done and what I believe, but uh, run away now. And um, uh, um, so um, so you chop up the leaves and the stems a little. I usually go a little longer that I'd be making rhubarb pie. But, you know, the, the better, the shorter it is, the pieces are, say this long, the more it's going to come out. And then you don't want to boil it because at the temperature of boiling, you destroy the allantoine. But just short of boiling is okay. So you bring it up to just the edge of the simmer and you cut the heat back. Um, I always used to use spring water, but it would actually be a, a good thing to use distilled water, not because it's clean, but because distilled water is a bit like a vacuum and it wants to grab things, right? So, so you bring it up to, I would always put up, I, I had a big stainless steel like a crock pot and uh, I had a dinner plate that was, heavy clay old dinner plate that would just fit inside the pot. And I would uh, put all the company in there, chops with, uh, get the water in and then put the plate on top so that it kept the herb from expanding and making a mess with my stove and let it just slow, just, just short of a simmer, slow cook like that for at least a whole afternoon, you know, a good four hours, wouldn't hurt to go even longer. And what then- What ratio of plant matter to water? Sorry? Ratio. What ratio of plant oh, matter? Oh, enough, enough water to cover it. Just to cover it, okay. Yeah. So then I used, I found some in Chinatown because I found that if I used regular tea strainers and a potato masher, it didn't last long. You'd break the screen. So you can buy screens that have the, it's, it's the same screen as a tea strainer is, but then there's another screen over that that's thicker wire makes them stronger they don't break mm -hmm. so i just have one of those that sits on the edge of the pot and, and just mush the crap out of it the best i can uh then all of um uh all of that i re-pour through the strainer without the bulk part the bulk part goes in my um uh compost of course or even depending on the time of year just take it out and kind of sow it all over the garden if there's no plants there yet but it's it's a great thing to still put in your this is very crude but something you can do at home right way of processing um yeah. and um and then what i always did uh with if i was making a big batch like like uh, what i would get out of a, a big stock pot size was just canned it like taking oh. it off the stove into sterilized glass bottles almost full and putting the lids on you can tell that it worked right when you get the yeah, yeah, yeah. my beard now you can't see it, but you know how they cave in right yeah. and then if you set those away i mean it's good for years because it's been canned right and you don't need right. any preservative until you open it 
So usually some of the fine bit that made it through the, let's just call it dust, that would make it through the, um, uh, the strainer would settle on the bottom, almost like winemaking. And I would, there'd be nothing wrong with shaking it up and drinking that, but I just, when I started selling the product, I wanted it to look prettier. So I would just carefully decant that and leave the mud, let's call it, in the bottom, and um, and then add the glycerin, right? Or I, I want it back to the road rash. Um, so that's when I, I would use a thickener. And uh, the first time I used some, I met somebody from a pharmaceutical company somewhere that, that happily wasn't quite sure what would work for me. And he sent me a sample he sent me a liter jar sample that, that, it, that was all I needed for five years. <laughs> you know, and then when I finally ran out, I had to buy a, a 25 pound sack from him. But um, uh, I had, by that point, I'd established enough interest from students, but not that I shared some of that and sold kilo bags. So anyway, it's over. So like making pudding, you, you don't want to dump powder into something close to boiling because uh, it's a little lumpy on you. So you just put that into uh, the pot, add some of the cold whisk it in, slowly bring the heat up. Uh, the first time I did that, I used too much. And the whisk was so stuck in the jelly that oh. I, wish it, I wish I had a YouTube of me holding that over my head in the kitchen and even shaking it in the, the big stainless steel whisk was flopping back and forth, but nothing would come out wow. of the pot. So, so because then I wanted to mix it with... Um, organic aloe back to my texas story my little marty allen with her cows in one field and aloe bear, and so um, uh, i was buying it direct from her for quite a while um so i got organic aloe and and then i thought well why wouldn't i add some lavender to this and a few other oils and i ended up with just about probably five oils that i added which become a perfect preservative but they also were that much better for healing. So I had things from all over the world. So I called it super planetary wound gel. And, right. and, and you know, that was, I, I think that's still on the market if Sunita's making that now. Um, some of the things that I used to make are probably gone forever because they were made from certain herbs that I would go pick myself in the forest or I'd have one of my, anybody that ever helped me. I always had students that said they'd come and help me just didn't even have to get paid because they just wanted to keep picking my brain. You know, I said, no, no, you'll get paid. Um, so we'd go at, I always called them the elves, you know, and so, sometimes I'd have fun. Well, if you're going to work with me, you have to get the, the right elf shoes. There's only one store in town where you get elf shoes and they better write this down. And they'd actually be doing it. And then I'd start, <laughs> no, I'm kidding. No, I'm kidding about the elf shoes. Anyway, um, so that was something that I made that might be gone forever. I don't, I don't know. You know, I'm living in a, I'm living in a care home now. And all my tools are gone and all my, all my oils are gone. But um, we'll see where Anita gets with some of those things. Uh, so, recipes? Um, does this give access to the recipes so that they can be recreated? Yeah, she bought the business. So, yeah. Yeah, she's got it all. all she's, got, she's got the recipe book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, um, um, so, I was making just a liquid extract that you could use orally. For a short term, not from the roots, just from the leaves. It looked like soya sauce. That, that's an important thing to know that you've made it concentrated enough. I forgot this part. 
after mushing all the juice out, I would put it back in a clean pot on the stove and with low heat and no lid, kind of like thickening maple syrup, and just let it reduce for about yeah. four or five hours. And then it would look like soya sauce. And that was the thing. So if you put that on a deep open wound, it would sting just because it was so astringent. But that, yeah. like, I used that on something that that should have taken 10, 10 stitches. But we would wrap it with gauze with that comfrey extract and not use any stitches. And you'd end up with virtually no scarring. Wow. You know, because you get more yeah. scarring and proud flesh, they call it. You know, when you have a scar and you get it, it's raised after like a red bump. Yeah. I think they call that proud flesh. So, um, yeah, back to me playing bongos and stories. There was another one where I think it was a New Year's party and I was carving a roast. It was a very sharp knife and I slipped and almost took my thumb off. And I had some somebody else finish doing the cutting. And I was just standing around the kitchen. For, sure, would you get me that red powder out of the cupboard there? Yeah, and a little bit more. Yeah, just that's sure that. And I yeah, just shoot that down in the company. Just I, I pulled my hand out for everybody to watch and just start counting. And, and I go, oh, yeah, seven. It's usually seven, seven seconds. When you take a shot. Orally taking a shot of cayenne. Yeah, cayenne orally because it, yeah, yeah, it, yeah. it lowers seven. your blood pressure or something. Yeah. And um, and for me, it was usually, I used to say 10 seconds, but for me, it was usually seven. And then I would go for my first day to put a bandage on and go back right. to playing drums <laughs> or whatever. Um, so I had a few times that, I remember once I had, uh, I had sawed a bunch of logs, n nailed them to, to make, when you've had a teepee up for a while, just getting in and out of the, so I had a teepee in my yard for years. And my girlfriend and I preferred to sleep outside all summer. There would come a sleety, snowy day in November where we'd look at each other with a tear in our eye and finally go back and, and sleep in one of the four-bedroom houses that we had rented. You know. Uh, anyway, um, but um, there's an I want favorite herbs. Um, I have film canisters. Remember when we had film and they came in a little canister? Yeah, so I have film canisters full of cayenne stashed everywhere. Wow. And it was really funny coming back from a, a sales conference in Vegas one year. And I've got this guy who just, I'm just being too confident. And I think they're trained to, if anybody's too confident, they're definitely hiding something. And um, this guy just knew he was going to get me for something. And he was just, he was just really being a butthead in my mind. He was short of rude. He was going through everything. And uh, he kept finding nothing. And we started going through my camera bag. And I said, I've got green cards for all those in the back if you want to see them. Uh, no, no, we don't care. He's, he's, he just know he went through all through my shaving kit. And he kept taking, there was 37 rolls of film. He took every one of them out of my bag and shook it and opened it to see what a surprise, a roll of film. But he got to one. When he shook it, there was no sound. Yeah. And, and I started reaching... He was bringing it up to his nose. I don't know if anything, and this this is African Redbird, right? The hottest cayenne you can get, like 140 or 60,000 BTU. And um, I, I went to reach for his arm as he was picking it up to his nose and took a, a real sniff, you know, and <laughs> I couldn't start laughing or I thought he might arrest me, you know, but I, I, just, I, I just started I said, it's got a lot of vitamin C and bioflavonoids. And he was like, I don't care. I don't care. And he was just pushing all my stuff down the, 
down the thing and soon as the door <laughs> soon as the door spun once i just did my best burt reynolds imitation cackle laugh you know but um, yeah for yeah. it to work you, you need you need to use about a about a half teaspoon as far as i'm concerned um half some people say it's a lot some people That's say well if you well and if you don't eat cayenne regularly what's hot at this set of lips might be hot at the other end you know when people some Seriously. people go for mexican food or whatever and they got yeah. diarrhea not even yeah maybe even diarrhea and it's very runny hot stuff in the morning but yeah. uh, if you're used to taking it and i put it on just about everything i eat so um uh yeah i could take it right now i could take a heaping teaspoon and it wouldn't bother me at all um but wow. but most most people work up to that there's that old master cleanse i think it's called where you just oh, live yeah, for yeah. you yeah. live for a couple of months on I think it's apple cider vinegar and cayenne and honey or something like that. Maple and syrup, lemon. Maple syrup. Lemon, maple syrup, lemon, and cayenne pepper. Okay, yeah. So um, anyway, uh, I've had some pretty amazing pokes. Anyway, where I was going with that last story was um, um, it was dirty outside the door of the teepee. And I, I had the, the big yard. We were on an acre lot that wasn't fenced. And I had a borzoi, that was a running machine, Russian wolfhounds, if you know what those are. So she had to be on a chain all day. So I had the, the chain was just enough. She could get into the teepee if it rained, but not get to the other side to lay on the bed. And she was eventually flipping the logs around and it was back in muddy. So I had this bright idea of drilling a hole in them and putting a 10 inch spike into them. And once in a while the chain would get caught and they'd flip upside down and I would just pounce, jump, put it, stomp it back into the ground well one night i think it was my own birthday party um and i was getting up for pee and um uh a couple of the logs were displaced and with all of my strength i stomped the the nail back into the ground except it was upside down so oh, it was it, oh, it, it went it went right through my foot right oh, went right God. through my foot so I got into the kitchen right away and uh, uh, took some uh, shot of cayenne first thing and got some comfrey out and put it on and uh, wrapped it up in tape and went back to sleep. And it was pounding like crazy with pain. And I woke up and I thought, you know, maybe I really should go get this x-ray or something. I don't know. And it was raining. And when I went up to get up out of bed, there was so much pain there when I went to step down that I fell flat on my face into the fire pit. So I was covered in ashes, probably reeked of tequila, and then I needed a cane of some sort and didn't have one, so I used one of my camera tripods and up, went up this little hill to where the truck was parked, and I slipped on the wet grass and tumbled down the hill. So I'm, I'm wet and, and covered in blood by this point and, and go to the ER, and it was just a couple of blocks away. And um, one of the guys was picking up the phone because the wound was perfectly clean. Like there was... It was just perfectly clean, right? Perfectly clean. And uh, one of the uh, attendants there was, I said, what are you doing there? And he said, well, we have to report all GSWs. And I said, you mean gunshot wounds? He said, well, yes, obviously, I don't care if you shot yourself in the foot. We have to report this. It's obviously been cauterized because there's no other way you could have perfectly cleaned it. And I said, I told you. I took a shot of cayenne pepper, put this comfrey, I said, and some bandages. And one of the guys, one of the nurses or whoever he was, made a cross. <laughs> with his fingers and started backing away from me. It was just silly. But anyway, I could talk about country forever. So um, so anyway, so a water-based extract 
if you make a big batch, you could freeze it. Um, or uh, like I said, I would can it because I might make out of that big pot, I might get two liters. Yeah. And then and then I could have it for three years there in the basement before I would open it again and do this whole thing where I turned it into gel to make the gel product, right? Mm -hmm. But uh, you could have the, uh, the liquid product uh, with a bit of glycerin in your fridge for probably a couple of years, I think, or with the glycerin added, it would, um, essential oils are hydrophobic, which means they're afraid of water. So if you put lavender into, into any normal water, it's just going to float on top, right? Because it's afraid of the water. Oh, let me in the water. Let me in. That's, that's how we get it in the first place is that when it, it's small enough to fly with the steam, let me fly, let me fly. And then they get into the condenser and go, but we didn't, we can't swim. And it rises to the surface. So they're hydrophobic, but lipolytic. So lipids are fats, right? So to, to um, uh, dilute essential oils, we have to use anything fatty. And so when you think about stuff like, I remember one day, uh, I had never seen an habanero pepper before. It looked like a plum. And I just picked one up, one of my, I don't know if it's a roommate or whoever had bought them at the farmer's market. I picked, oh, those look good. And I fully bit into this habanero pepper, right? My mouth's burning. The thing to do, people of old would say, oh, drink some milk. Well, that was a good idea when milk was about 30% fat, you know, from a real cow. Um, yeah. And now most people have 0, 0, 0.6% fat. So you may as well drink water. And what happens when you put water with, with the oil? is it, it's Work. the oil's trying to get it makes it worse yeah and even some of the phone-in departments don't know that um like i shot myself point blank in the face with bear spray oh i, I was unloading from one of my three days in the mountains with about 12 to 20 women we were making our salads and making a few tinctures and stuff camped out and um the clip on the bear spray the safety clip had fallen off somehow and it was in an open box and I threw another pack on top of that, carried it into the house and it hit the boy the bear spray. The, um, the back window of the inside of my hatchback is sort of like the shape of the shoulders and head you know, with just this orange slot about this big. So I just hit the floor and um, my ex-wife was walking by with her Pomeranian and said, honey, what's happened? And I said, run in the house and grab the oil. Guys, I don't care what kind of olive oil, but just grab whatever you see first. And I just laid on the ground and and, and let her pour oil all over my face for a minute. And, and when you do that, it's done in about 10 seconds. Wow. You know, so wow. uh, I always tell people when I'm doing an introductory class and I pass some peppermint around and just say, so to take a drop or two of that and just put it on your gums and, and, and see how much of it goes up through the nasal palate and canals, those little holes in the top of your palate, you know, and it gets into your sinuses and you just feel really awake. And, and I said, yeah. now don't rub your eye with that finger. Or when you go to the bathroom, any other orifice on your body. Right. You know, because that's it's gonna hurt. But people hear that and they, they forget. And and I've done that in classes of quite large audiences, like two hundred people there, where some women suddenly she she didn't remember if she's rubbing her eye and screaming, I said, Come over here really quick. So something, here's a tip. Don't carry essential oils anywhere without at least a little plastic vial of I don't care what kind of oil. Well, it can't be raw coconut oil because it would be a solid, right? But just any oil, olive oil, sesame oil, whatever kind of oil you want. 
because yeah. all you need to do is dip something like if I don't have, I could use the end of this pen, just something you wouldn't if you slip and you're not going to poke your eye out and dip that in the oil and hold your head back. If this hand's clean, hold your eye open and just let even five drops of oil fall into your eye and it's over in 30 seconds. And I've done that so many times in classes where people say, well, boy, I wish I knew that. I remember making chutney like it's late summer, summers, like around now, summer's end or into fall and people, whether they garden or go to the farmer's market and they're, they're making them canning up, um, canning up uh, uh, chutneys and relishes and things. Right. And they forget and they rub their eye and they're screaming. Yeah. And all it takes is not even a, like just five drops and it's right. over you know? yeah great tip great tip for sure so um you know so back to country and okay. all of the reading i did about achimidine achimidine's in probably more than half of the groceries you would get at any store but at how much and how much are you going to eat like are you going to eat 20 cases of peaches and you know overnight you know what i mean so as long as you're using it for a limited time um i've never had my my product tested and i i personally like i said if i broke a leg uh and i've had so many people over the years i've, I've treated horses with it oh, wow. i always like to say you know my favorite patients again i'm supposed to say clients my favorite clients are children animals and the elderly because they are so thankful when you can take pain away or do something brilliant for them. Um, everybody else is just too busy to care. Like, oh, that worked, thank you, see you, bye. You know? um, but when you can take, uh, I got a call one day from a riding arena somewhere west of Airdrie and this, uh, not a, a foal, but a first year old horse, whatever that is, a yearling or what is that, Philly, I don't know. I'm a, uh, but had gotten its leg stuck in a three-strand wire fence and just freaked out for several hours before somebody found it. And it looked like a cougar had eaten part of its leg. You know, like there was about this much bone exposed. And uh, several vets had been there and, and a few, uh, um, well, cowboys for sure, but just horse people. And everybody's opinion was, well, if you can save this leg, this animal certainly never be ridden. You might be able to save it as a broodmare. And uh, by golly, for a total cost of $20 worth of, I took some of my liquid country extract, put some um, clove oil in it and some lavender. And um, they were hosing it all down to get all the clots and stuff out of it. And we wrapped that wound up with gauze with all over the country. And I remember that horse turning and looking at me with those big brown eyes. Mister, I don't know where you came from, but thank you very much. Because it was already feeling the clove was taking the pain away. Right. In, so and, and yeah. uh, you know, and it just it already knew that it was in a healing process and and that horse was saddled wow. later that what later that year. You know, for a total cost of, uh, I charged them for gas, and I wasn't charging them for a consultation even. Uh, but for about twenty dollars worth of product, you know, we yeah. saved a leg. You know? Yeah. 
So, but um, enough about comfrey, I guess. How much right. have- yeah, that's a lot about comfrey, which is great because it's such a useful plant. And so I do have one question, though. Is it useful to harvest the leaves after it's flowered at all? or? Oh, I'm sorry. Well, that's that's why. Yeah, thank you. That's why you want to just let it get a foot high and hack it right off. Right. And it'll grow back a foot high and you hack it off again. You can do that at three times a summer and it never flowers. And you never have this big six foot thing that's falling over that you need to stake or whatever. And when, after it's flowered and the leaves are that old, there's not much allantoin in them left anymore. But if you keep hacking it, you get three or four harvests from one root in one season. So you get more product and better product by not letting it flower. A lot of energy goes into, you know, flowers are a plant having sex, right? And I know some people still have sex and have smoke after, whatever, <laughs> but, you know, it, it's a lot of physical energy if you're really having having a good good session there. And um, um, so so with plants, like, I, I had a couple come and see me once. They, they were new in the neighborhood, and they bought their home, and uh, it had about 400 apples on it. And uh, the following year, it only had six apples. And... Um, so they thought it was sick and they were talking to some other neighbors and they said, Oh, well go, go talk to your, your neighbor Blaine there up the street. He's some kind of witch doctor. He might, he's, he's a botanist now and he, he might know something to help. And, and I just, I looked at them and thought they probably didn't. I said, do you have any children? But yes. How many? Two. Do you want another six? And they just, they just looked at each other and went, no. And I said, well, um, you know, Apples, it's very expensive to produce that much fruit. So apples want a year off. So they only flower and fruit every second year. So you have a perfectly healthy tree there. Next year, it'll be full of fruit again. And they, they just never heard that simple thing, you know, and thanked me and walked away. And, you know, I saw them at the block party later, you know, that year. But it's, um, there's all these simple little things that, um, I think about some of the things I've seen with Malcolm. Like, we drove to Rotary Park, where I, like, my home was there, right at the top of the Tennessee Bridge. And I used to do bird walks there, take students there, but also walk my dog every day. So I knew where every medicinal plant in the park was. And the first morning we went there, we only got 100 yards from the, from the car. Because the plants I was going to take them to over there, to the Hawthorne trees, uh, all of a sudden there was. Artemisia absinthium. We talked about that for a while. Then there was some juniper, maybe. Then there was something else. And we, we only moved about, I was sitting down because if I stand too long, my lower back acts up. So um, I was sitting down and I only moved on my bum about four feet to talk about the next plant. And that was all the time we had for that. We had filled our 90 minute tape. You know what I mean? So we went back twice now and I think we'll get a third round out of it, maybe. But it apparently it was snowing lightly at midnight last night. Not, oh. stick, not sticking to the ground, but you oh. know we'll have we'll have frost soon for sure. You know. Oh, for sure, definitely. You know, and I something I don't like about Calgary is how we get these these falls where uh, it goes down to minus six and everything dies. Yeah. And then it, it just gets real warm again. It's warm. Yeah. There's, it's warm. One, there's one little snowstorm and it gets cold, and then it's just brown and ugly. Until January. It's still pretty yeah. green though right now. It's pretty nice out here right now. Oh yeah, yeah. Well yeah, but this isn't by definition, and I didn't know this for, I didn't didn't know it for a long time. 
by definition, if you just have a really nice long fall, that is not an Indian summer. An Indian summer is where you have what I just mentioned. You have a kill frost, and then oh. it warms up again. That's oh, an Indian summer. Yeah. Simple little definition. So if you had to pick, say, okay, we're getting close on time here. So if you had to pick, say, a couple other plants that you think people should know, let's say for this part of the world, because I think every every environment is going to provide the medicine that you need. I really believe that. But we often know okay. more about, for example, the Chinese herbs or the Indian herbs. We don't know about our own herbs right here. Yep. Yep. Okay. So two that um, I, I've been... I've been just standing in line at Safeway or something, and somebody say, "Hey, you're Blaine Andrusik, and oh, I'm from the um, whatever they call the horticultural club. You, you must you must have a garden and grow things." And I said, "Yeah." And I said, "Well, what do you do with for the worst weeds? You, you probably don't use Roundup or anything." And you're, and I said, "No, of course not." He said, "Well, what do you do for our worst garden weeds, like like chickweed and plantain?" And I said, "Really simple. Eat them." Yeah. And after a while, you won't have as many in your yard because they tell their friends. And you have to go eat your neighbors' for herbs, their weeds. Like I've I've had young 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 students in classes where picture Sunday morning, the husband's in the kitchen putting the coffee on, his wife's still in bed, and their children are in the next door neighbor's yard picking weeds to eat, and he's he's calling out, "Honey, the kids are eating the neighbors' weeds again," and um, you know it was it was so nice one day when I first bought my home years ago. Um, they had two little girls and one afternoon little Susie was just screaming and I, I said to their mother uh, uh, what, what's, what's happened? What's wrong? She's been stung by a wasp and I, I just kind of looked around and I said oh well, I just, we just need some plantain and I, I ran I, the first thing I do when I walk into well when I go anywhere even watch a movie even while driving down the highway like it starts out that you get to know plants by their flower because Flowers are showy, and you have a flower guide. So you get, but when you look it up and you find out what the plant is, really look at the rest of the leaves and where it likes to grow, right? So that if you ever need it, you'll know where to look. Not a, a, do I go to the water? Do I go to the sandy place? Do I go to a dry hillside? And uh, uh, very often that's part of the Latin name. Like if Artemisia um, just means of the field. So if, if there was a plant Andrusecki, and when you see two when you two when you see two eyes on a Latin name, that was yeah. the botanist name, and you pronounce that EI. So if if something's called Blanius Richardsonii, um, I was discovered by this botanist called Richardson. And so he's kind of named after him, right? So anyway, sometimes it's a descriptive adjective, like everybody else in your family has long thin leaves, but that you have triangular leaves you, know, you would be sasha's uh triangularis right but, but it's actually your last name first so uh i forget your last name what's the last name calavoda calavoda so you'd be mm -hmm. calavodius triangularis oh, and your, okay. your sisters would have other adjectives right um anyway so it, some of it's really hard like when i start a botany class i always say you think you're here to study plants but this is really a language class because you're going to have to learn a bunch of Latin and a whole bunch of new descriptive adjectives that you've never used before. Like one of my favorites, this is such a beautiful word and it has no other purpose in the English language. It's so beautiful. Autodeliquescence. 
Isn't that just lovely? Auto, auto deliquescence. What does that mean? It means you can digest yourself. Okay. And there's there's a wild mushroom called shaggy manes, and they're choice edibles. But if they get banged around, like if you filled a bag and put them in your backpack and finished your hike, when you get back to camp, all you have is a bag full of black gooey stuff because they've completely digested themselves. Uh, a good thing to do would be to spray that around in the forest a bit because it's it's nothing but spores. It's spore soup. Okay. Nice. But so anyway, you get some some names. I don't know why I'm going up on that. But um, um, it's good to 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 learn the Latin names because common names are often confusing, and people hear about using some plant and then they they pick it's completely the wrong plant. Like there's something called scurvy grass that isn't even a grass. There's three different plants in Canada and the scurvy grass, and none of them are grasses. But in different right. provinces, there's something that's got the right antioxidants to prevent scurvy, right? They're full of vitamins. Right. So a lot of our most common weeds um, that people want to get rid of with chemicals are actually more nutritious than the plants they grow in their yard. Right. Right? So anyway, back to the, the Susie story. Um, I looked around, went and found some plants, and cut up some leaves, and put them on her, just held them on the sting for a moment. And within 30 seconds, she wasn't crying anymore. And uh, she just looked up at me with, I love doing that with kids. I make a little thing called anti-venom. And uh, I've been on hikes or just walking the dog, and, and there's some kids screaming. I'm like, excuse me, was, was, was the child slung by wasp? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the kid's screaming her head off. And I pull out my little anti-venom bottle, and, and I, I put two drops on it. And... They're not crying anymore within 10 seconds. And and their eyes, they look at me like, who are you and how could you do such a trick? And are you God? You know, like I get that look. It's just amazing from children. But some of the things. So anyway, plantain, I would always want to have some in my yard. And if it's growing under ideal conditions in an aspen forest, it's fairly heavy. And we've had a lot of rain lately. It'll grow as big as romaine lettuce. And if I made a, a Caesar, if I grew a Caesar salad with it, you wouldn't know the difference. It's nice and crunchy. But if there's some growing out in the middle of your driveway, and you've driven over it a thousand times, and it's in full sun all day, you know it's stiff and brittle and bitter, right? So if you're going to eat it, you want to get it in a nice shady place. And the more moisture it's had, the more delicate it's going to be. But you can definitely eat it. Um, if you needed the food, you could certainly eat it and have it with noodles or rice. But uh, I just want to always have some more for stings because it's right. brilliant. And if it's yeah. just a sting on your hand, but it has to stay on. I learned that the hard way. If you hold it on, if you use hold it on for a minute, and all the pain's gone, so you throw it away, the pain comes back. So you have to leave it on for quite a while. So sometimes on a so leg, she's like chew it up, chew it up, and might, then put a little poultice on. Um. Well, that's what people. Some people call a spit poultice. Uh, if yeah. you need to, because it's dry, you could do that. Because uh, the plant's fully edible, roots too. The whole plant, seed heads. Um, we use one of the cough syrups I used to make. There's so much mucilage in the seeds that we would throw, like flaxseed, if I didn't have any uh, plantain seeds, just on top of the black currants while they're cooking, uh, so that the mucilage would come out because it, it helps a really dry, sticky cough. Yeah. Right. Some okay, mucilage. Yeah. So um, uh, back to mullen. 
that would be a good thing making a cough syrup with, right? Because of the, the mucilage. Yeah. So um, plantain for sure, which is everywhere. And the thing about plantain, if you had, oh, just finishing the story about Barb. Uh, she said, oh, I used to have some of that in my yard. She said, what, what was that? That's amazing. And I went and picked another one from by the garbage cans and brought it and showed her. She said, oh, I, I had some of that in my yard. And I said, where did it go? WD-40. I mean... Um, Roundup. Roundup. I did that again. Um, uh, and so that one experience made yeah. her turn her yard to organic totally. She quit using anything like that. That's amazing. Oh, if more people would do that, that would be amazing. Yeah. And yeah. so a big part of learning more about the plants and how much, how useful and how you think about how much dirt do you dedicate to a broccoli plant, you know, about a square foot. And all we're going to eat from it is the unopened flower buds. Some of us like the stems peeled, right? But, you know, you don't get a lot of stuff from a foot of, of, of ground. And if that was just left to go to weeds, you might have some. Um, there's one that um, used to grow under the back porch when I was a child, and my mother used to cook it all summer. Uh, it's just called, uh, gosh, why can't I remember that? Oh, lamb's quarters, it's called. Lamb's quarters, lots lamb's of quarters. And yeah. um, you can steam that. And she used to do it with, with some uh, green onions chopped up and some fresh dill. And it was just lovely. We would eat that all summer on mashed potatoes or on toast or with rice, you know, and that's that's a really common weed. Um, so back to like chickweed, the one that everybody hates in their garden, and it's hard to get rid of because it's so delicate that when you try and pull it out, it usually breaks off from the roots, so it keeps coming back. But in, in my garden, I like that feature because I get to eat it. You use it just like sprouts. You can put it in a wrap or put, it, put some in your salads. It tastes a little bit nutty right? A little crunch, a little bit different flavor. And um, those two together, plantain and chickweed, are a really good mild anti-inflammatory. You can buy it in the health food store. So I would start uh, going to other organic yards in the neighborhood and asking them if I could pick their weeds for them. <laughs> you know, and the first yeah. people would be, I'm kind of native style. If, you, if you're receiving a gift, you should give them something back. So even before I went back, now with permission, and then you want permission from the plants too, right. you know. And then yeah. you know you have to, you have to thank. And I, one one year, I had a class coming up, and my wife had a, a a spot. She would go pick sage, not far out of Cochrane, and she'd gone to the owners and see just to see if they would mind. And they said, "Oh no, those are just yeah, you know, the, the the cows don't don't eat it or anything you have at it." And um, buffalo do, bison do. It's pretty bitter. But bison will go, look at those stupid cows over there. They don't know what they're missing. But a normal pasture will have artemisias, as many as eight species growing all over it. And uh, they stop bleeding so fast. It's stupid. So does yarrow, which isn't a weed. It's a wildflower, but it seeds itself. Whenever I find something growing in the city, because of our, our winds, I'm out walking the dog, and I find some asparagus growing along the yeah. riverbank. You know? yeah. The first thing that I do is uh, kind of take stock of where I am. I think, okay, there's a fire hydrant over there. And uh, there's that walk over there. I kind of try and triangulate myself a little bit so that I can come back next spring. 
because quite often I'll see it this time of year when it's this yeah. tall and covered with right. very, very poisonous red berries. So you want to remember the spot, right? But yeah. but sometimes I'll find something like horseradish, for example. And there's lots. I was just about to talk about horseradish because there's lots of horseradish around. Lots. Yeah, and that was all brought over from Europe. Comfrey and horseradish are two good things for people who think they can't grow things. Because uh, horseradish, you, you can't kill, you cannot kill horseradish. I have some. I can't kill. It's crazy. Yeah, <laughs> took over. Well, it, yeah, I mean, it just, yeah. So you, if you have a four-inch root in the trunk of your car for two years, you can still plant it and grow grow with yeah. it and have a huge, you know. Right. So with, with comfrey, back to comfrey, you better use about 10-inch edging. If you get some roots from somebody and you just only want a little bit growing, the best thing to do is take a five-gallon pail. And the best way to cut plastic is to use a scale saw with a plywood blade, blade put in on backwards. And it'll go through plastic like a five-pound pail perfectly with no chips or anything, just a little white sawdust. And you put that in the, you dig a hole, put that in the ground, start filling it back in, put the comfrey in that. Because comfrey, comfrey will go down, it'll go, most people use that little six-inch edging, you know. And, and if you put a couple of roots in, uh, one of my friends uh, over in uh, West Hillhurst, Sunnyside, West Hillhurst, yeah, uh, I would get some from them. And they didn't want it, but if, as long as I got it before it became annoying, so I would go twice a year to, to get it. Um, so I was there with one of my students one evening, and um, uh, we were in my forerunner and filling a couple of garbage bags with it, or maybe I just laid a tarp in the back of the truck because we we took a pile about four feet high and filled the back of the truck. We're going to make a big batch, and uh, and my student said, "Is it hard to grow?" And my friend looked at him and looked back at me and said, where'd you get the new kid? You know? <laughs> so, so without even using a shovel, he had some hiking boots on and he just kind of stomped away at the edge of some of the plants and broke off a couple of roots about, and stems about this big. And he walked across the alley and again, in just gravelly soil in the alley, made a hole about eight inches deep with his boot heel and put him in and then filled it back in and stomped on it and quite confidently went, Come back next year. <laughs> and of course, the following year, there's you know some big company there. So um, I've had people uh, who've seen me say on television, and they have come free in their yard that's completely out of hand, and they've been trying to kill it for years. And I get a phone call saying, "Do, do you need any more comfrey? And if I'm gonna if I'm gonna go get it, I always take a couple of products, finished products, with me, both both the uh, both the gel as well as the liquid. So I'm, I'm accepting this gift from you. This is my gift back to you. This is what I'm gonna do with your country. And this is how and when to use it. And that yeah. just feels good, right? Yeah, absolutely. So absolutely. It's, it goes every direction, whether you're dealing with other people or the plants themselves to ask. So back to this hillside where the sage was growing. Um, so I'd gone out there with Jennifer and one, one occasion with her daughter, but I had a class coming up and the last thing we do on this weekend courses tie up smudge sticks and um, um one year the, the year came where the girls were both busy i think jennifer's just finishing getting ready for work getting her makeup on or whatever and uh so i like, okay i'll see you tonight honey and we're gonna do chicken or something and she said okay don't forget to ask and i said well you know what i do at the end i thank the whole valley and and old man and 
general thing I do. No, you have to ask every plant. I'm not going to ask every plant. You have to ask every plant. So I got out there. And sometimes at moments like that, I kind of drop into my, I had a lot of Cree friends growing up. And um, I kind of drop into this Cree clone. And um, I'm looking at this big hillside covered with Artemisia frigida. And I'm kind of, do any of you guys want to come into the city and teach white people about spirit? And this one clump right in front of me said, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, I'll, yeah, yeah, I'll go. And another one just a few feet has said, well, yeah, 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 I'll, I'll come too. And pretty soon this whole hillside was yelling at me, yeah, we all want to come. And I just thought it was the strangest thing, you know, just psychically hearing them, right? Um, and I just thought it was the strangest thing ever. So I left there with this big box full of sage where I normally would have felt like maybe guilty even for taking so much. Um, but I'm, I'm there perennial, so it's all going to go back. Um, um, I left there realizing I had actually made them happy because I was letting them fulfill their destiny. I, I totally believe that. That makes absolute sense to me. Absolutely. And the next year when I came back to the same yeah. place, I heard them say, hey, Blaine's back. Yeah. You know, and I mean, you know, it sounds that, that sounds insane to people that haven't learned such ways, you know, but. I love teaching people how plant energy works. And my, my favorite tool is a just opened amaryllis blossom. Because you can, you can have an amaryllis blossom that just opened here. And even two feet away, you can feel the energy. And as you slowly move your hand towards it, people's yeah. eyes get wider because they can feel the energy. And it's almost like there's pressure there. As you're getting closer to the flower, like you can just, it's palpable. You, you can just, you know, it, it like, and they've never experienced that before. It's just such a simple thing to learn about respecting that energy. Absolutely. That's, I grow calendula in my garden, and I, I don't ask to pick, but I thank every single bloom that I pluck. Yeah, yeah. I, to dry it because I dry the blooms and infuse it into oils and things. So mm -hmm. I, yeah, I'm very thankful. And I, have you're making a little anti-inflammatory thing with it. Well, I, it's part of the oil that I make uh, my body butter with. I use the calendula yeah. infused olive oil, and I also add in helichrysum and rose petals sometimes too. So, but I grow a lot of them. I save my own seeds, and then I do it all over again. And I just thank oh, yeah, every yeah. single one. I'm so grateful for them. Yeah, yeah. they grow better and. It's so it's so amazing when you just you know city people are so busy we just don't have time to notice things and there's so many things that sitting alone in the forest you're just looking at things um, that you learn just from observation like seeing that a tree blew over in a windstorm on a hillside and that fall some leaves and whatnot got caught there and a mulch started. And I'm, I'm sure this must be how in so many tropical countries they garden on hillsides, terrace gardening, they call it, right? Mm -hmm. But just from watching nature where within a couple of years, there was enough earth mulch had formed, compost had formed on the uphill side of the, the log that plants were growing in it. Like one, there was a couple of young trees 
growing there. Yeah. And I just thought just simple observations like that are they just they just add so much. So after filling the bird feeders from a big bag of uh, black seed, uh, one year I had all my bedding plants in and everything else. I went around with a handful or so of, of, of sunflower seeds, and I put some in in little window boxes, and I put some in um, bigger pots, and then I put some in the ground. Now the ones that were in the little window boxes on, on that lived on top of the deck railing, yeah. they only grew about this high, and had flowers about the size of a daisy. Right. And in my mind, when the seeds opened, the rootlets came out. And they went out and touched the edge with the cedar box. And they kind of, oh, we live in a really small world. We have to stay small, too. Or we'll just blow over when the wind comes. And so you get this dwarf plant with a dwarf flower. you know. And the ones just a few feet away from it in a bigger pot got a couple feet high and, and had a sunflower about this big that had a few usable seeds on it. But the ones I put out front on the boulevard were like eight feet high with heads this big and it was all the same seed and to Amazing. me that's that's part of what i like to call plant intelligence absolutely you know yeah. that and and it takes it's not a hard introduction to people to to do that and that's how with working with crystals too you know when i started to i never worked with crystals it never it wasn't anything i wanted to use in my practice i just thought they were pretty rocks you know <laughs> and uh, one of my friends had given me a nice chunk of amethyst once and and um, um, I just liked having it around, I guess. But um, I would go to crystal shows. It started out where at one of the health expos, I was kitty corner to this guy that was, um, I was playing the herb man and he's, he was um, he was the crystal man. And we had the biggest traffic at this whole health expo. We had to mom around both of our booths. And the next year, I actually asked, when I was booking my booth, I asked if he could be booked next to me so that we could, could become friends. Um, and we would just have the biggest crowd there. And then we could cover for each other if you had to go for a pee or something, you know, watch each other's booth. And um, uh, that started a friendship. And he would come to town from um, Kelowna, I think is where he was, or Enderby, um, and go to... Uh, drive around to the stores that he was wholesaling to. And and pretty soon, there was one one uh, one of the shows where I said, I, I know you're here to retail and sell things at full market, but if if that big, uh, it's actually still here, it's across the room. If that big rose quartz, star rose quartz is still here, it's $1,000. If it's still here at the end of the show, and that big tall angel over there, and that thing over there are still here. Um, uh, you don't have to take them home because my staff would like to buy them, you know. And so we and I, he, he agreed that as a wholesale one wholesale too, that he would wholesale him. So after that, he started coming. He, I was on his list, and um, this van would pull up at the back of my garage, double two car garage. So he'd sort of broach the garage doors, and it was often in the evening. Have lights out there. Neighbors probably thought we were drug dealing, you know, right. a, uh, a van with DC plates. You know? Yeah. And um, um, I just got more and more into it and and realizing how much, well, anyway, the point of the story is that after time, I, I'm fully confident still that if you took me to a crystal show 
and blindfolded me, but just took my arm so I didn't trip over anybody. Uh, and I walked around feeling all of the shows, all of the crystals, you know, in a huge room and then took the blindfold off, I would probably be about 80% of the same crystals that I would have bought if I wasn't blindfolded. Mm. You know, like if there's a box this big of some crystal, I always just, I scan them. You want to come home, don't you? (laughs) You know, you can feel the energy there. And it's, people just don't, you just have to start working with it. Yeah. You know? Yeah, and now we're in in this, this energy quagmire right now right where everybody's got their cell phones and their computers and that and then there's no there's no quiet it's so noisy electrochemical like like the the emfs and everything and so that's why it's really important to get out there to just be and that's that's why and it helps to walk barefoot more often and hug trees and i as far as i'm concerned if you hug a little shrub it's a bit like hugging a child Hmm. but if you hug a tree about this big it's it's got something to share but when you when you hug a 300 year old oak that's that's grandma you know and it's been the studies the science is all there there's people that don't want to believe in aliens for example there's so much evidence of things and we've got raw science now on it's a two-way exchange if 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 you're just peeking and freaking sort of a day and you go hug a tree I think it makes their day because it tickles, you know, they, they, they appreciate that. Right. <laughs> but, but other times you're, you're really peeking and freaking and, and you hold in what's more in the ground than an elder tree. Right. And yeah. all of that energy that you have. So it's now, it's now been documented that the trees produce pheromones that change when they get hugs. Mm. You know, it's been documented. We've, we've got some pure science on things like that now that I don't mean putting spikes in them so loggers get hurt. But, you know, I, I'm proud to say I hug trees. And Yeah. You know? Yeah, absolutely. I always, I, I'm waiting to hear any direct anything. I have, have talked to the trees. I'm not hearing the voices like you or the, the messaging. But one day. Gotta be open. So, okay, yeah. like. We're on our time, but one last tip. One last tip you want to leave people with. You have a list of 20 things we were going to cover. <laughs> well, we kind of hit a lot of different things, and it kind of came around a, a lot of ways. But, and I mean, that's the thing. There's so many things to talk about. What do you do? How do you do this? And yeah, yeah, yeah. Not yep. really. But it's just, a, it's just a, an idea, like that practicality of it. Like I actually teach a class called Building Your Home Apothecary, where it's not just stuff that I – make but it's things that i have on hand so like having the cayenne pepper on hand for that situation is brilliant and so important so that's mm-hmm. the thing people so that they're not at the mercy of of the knowledge of the practitioner or the time of day or whatever so what's one other tip that you would recommend for people to bring that plant medicine into their homes that could be very practical and useful is something you should always have around yeah mm-hmm. um arnica arnica yeah. Okay. And and, and I, I pre- well, I prefer to work with full strength, uh, okay. like full strength tincture. Um, I'm not exactly. dismissing, I'm not dismissing homeopathics. They work. Uh, they're working on energy fields. They're working on full strength arnica is working. Um, it's pharmaceutical, really. 
where homeopathic arnica is working on a different level. It's working on, we were born with the innate ability to heal, keep, heal ourselves and keep ourselves well. And we get lost sometimes. And homeopathic remedies kind of guide us back to some of them stimulate, like your pineal gland, for example, can produce something pretty close to crystal meth in terms of dopamine, increasing your dopamine levels. Go figure. Mm -hmm. You know, so most of the creams and things you find in the health food store are homeopathic, but they still work. I prefer using full strength tincture. And so for a while there, if I hit my thumb with a hammer, I'd think, well, on coffee break, when I get off the ladder, I'll find the come through the uh, arnica and put some on. But I slowly realized, no, 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 get off the ladder right now, right now, right. and put the arnica on. And by coffee break, you won't even remember which thumb you hit. Right. You know, right. so the sooner yeah. the better. I had this right. one. Here's this really cute story, sort of silly, but um, one of my uh, there was a period where I was teaching Herb one in this room, and Terry was teaching Herb two in the room right next to us, and we were just about to start the evening. And um, uh, this this really cute little blonde gal came running up the aisle, uh, hiking her dress up, like panties showing and all, hiking her dress up as she was running up. I said, Blaine, 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 I have to show you this. And, and my students were looking at each other like, it's Blaine's birthday or something, you know? And they, like, what's going on here? And, uh, but she had, she had lost control snowboarding, I think, and slammed right into a tree, one knee. And good little student, she had in her fanny pack a little vial of full-strength uh, arnica tincture that she got for me. And the, the, what she wanted me to see was that she had done her knee, and you could almost see, like, brush strokes where she'd applied it. And every place where she'd applied it was just normal-looking. And where she hadn't applied it, um, it was up high. It was uh, almost purple approaching black and then all the way down to her ankles it was more like black and blue and then just blue her whole leg was bruised and and that's when it occurred to me that and we just looking at each other I said well you should have done your whole leg but it was really cool that everybody in that class got to witness you know that, that it just looked like brush strokes you know wow. and that's yeah. something they don't have in an ems vehicle so right. my first wife was going in for some um, jaw surgery. She had, uh, what's that called, TMJ. And they'd known since she was a little girl, and they kept putting it off. And they, they finally kind of realized that half of this is covered by uh, provincial health care right now, but who knows what's going to go on there. So let's just finally get this dealt with. And so she had an oral surgeon who wants to surge because that's what he went to school for. And... Uh, uh, an orthodontist who wants to daunt because that's what he went to school for. So we found a surgeon and a dentist who could surgery. And the interesting thing was that when I took her out, um, she was warned there was going to be substantial bruise. And um, uh, when I took her out for her first uh, post-op visits, she was still a bit heavy on drugs, she was on and stuff. Um, when we went to the orthodontist's office, it was a very large uh, room, very large clinic, I should say, with uh, a large staff. And the staff was all running around her like flies on crap, looking at her from every angle because 
it was only 10 days later and there was absolutely no proof of no, none. Because she had used uh, arnica. I had a few oils added, but an arnica based um, arnica fused oil filled with a bunch of other things. And she used it topically. That's it. And um, um, the orthodontist came over and took a really slow look at her and looked in her mouth and said, Aroma, what? And I said, well, actually, this isn't aromatherapy, Doc. Um, this is just herbalism, because uh, it's got nothing to do with smell. For this application, we could have Noah's off and got that picture your head. Like, a lot of what I use, I don't even like the word aromatherapy. It sounds so flaky, especially in Southern Alberta. Like, we're, we're the redneck capital of the world, you know? And, uh, you know, and when I go teach, and I've been as far away as... Um, um, San Francisco, and sometimes it's fun to go up in front of an international audience and say, hi, yeah, I'm Blaine Andrusik, I'm here from Calgary, Alberta, Canada, and I work in the oil business. And if a lot of people know Calgary for the oil business, but I pull out right. a little bit of vial, and right. I said, those other guys work with drums, and I work with these little vials. And uh, it's, so it's good for that. Anyway, um, so he said, and I hear you teach courses in this. Would it Would it make sense to send one of my best staff members to your next course and i said absolutely sir and you can incorporate this into your your work because he could see that we had accomplished something he, he had literally said i've been doing what i do for 28 years and i've never seen this before you're doing something i don't know about i want to learn nice. that's the dentist the oral right. surgeon and the door was kind of half open i could see into the room where he was looking at her and again, inside, outside, round and around. And he kept looking at his watch to check the date back at the files. For a minute, he thought he was the wrong patient. And, and he took the files again and then looked at his watch and looked at her some more. And he came out. He was one of these guys that if either of us, if either her or I even started to talk about herbs, he would just leave the room. He didn't, he, he just didn't want honest to waste his time he just he would leave the room right so he he looked at the results and and came back to both of us standing there ready to leave and said well you're still going to get a lot of bruising probably tomorrow <laughs> you know like this is this is 10 days post-op like he just re he refused yeah. to accept that Not we fun. had a way of doing something that he didn't know about right where so we yeah. had the one guy they're both standard practice practitioners, yeah. right? And the one guy was thrown to death, yeah. and the other guy was just, in my mind, an idiot, right? Right. So, yeah, you know. just close. He just knew everything already. He didn't want to learn. Yeah. So, like, I always like to say when when I'm in front of a talk somewhere, uh, no matter how much, how big it is, could be 20 people, could be 400 people, um, I just want to make something perfectly clear. If we're leaving the building tonight, and I'm not paying attention when I'm crossing the street and I get hit by a truck and I'm laying on the unconscious laying on the street and there's blood coming out of both ears. You can see a broke a broke bone sticking through my pant legs there, the plant's ripped. Please don't call a herbalist. <laughs> you know, and everybody kind of giggled it. Call 911, get me to a hospital. I need everything they can do for me. But my wounds will heal a lot faster than the average person because of the other stuff that I so it's fun to line up with cancer patients that way that are friends. And here's a, a neighbor friend 
from the dog park who's got breast cancer and she's decided to go conventional stuff. The other guy, another one of our dog circle is Calgary's top oncologist, actually. Uh, he's on a lot of committees and he's just, he didn't even want the position, but he's now literally the head of oncology for Alberta. And um, um, here we are kicking up leaves. It was about this time of year. And um, Dean and I had decided that uh, this is their job. And then my job's to keep up afterwards with stuff like chlorella and whatnot to, do, to undo the damage that all the chemicals have so we can both work together. We, He and I have mutual respect, uh, huge, for what we do as work. So we're walking along the three of us with our dogs playing over there. With her, I got, she's got me on one arm and him on the other. So she's got her oncologist and her witch doctor, one on each arm, kicking leaves. And, and I remember thinking, gosh, I wish I had a video clip of this and, and just said, why doesn't everybody get this treatment? You know, it's just not the way of the world right now that we're, you know, people it's have. Going further from that, yeah. Well, we're, yeah, we're, we're working together. The walls, the, the rigid walls that were there when I started studying herbology, and again, I never wanted to be a herbalist. I sort of fell into it for my own needs and kept getting led further and further down the path and became a practitioner eventually. Um, it annoys me that some of my best students never go on to practice because they don't have the self-confidence. And some of my worst students are hanging a shingle up a month after taking a 500-hour course. Like, what do you know after taking a 500-hour course? Nothing. And I, I love to close talks sometimes. I do this thing with my hands where, you know, I've got a huge audience sometimes. And um, uh, you know, I just want to close people with this, you know, after, well, for me now, it's, I'm just thinking it's 50 years since I didn't live in the woods alone. So it's probably about 35 years I've been practicing. Um, and I'm now I'm retired. But um, I'm, I'm trying to, I can't help fellow uh, residents here because um, they would take my, I don't, I don't have many tools here anyways, but, but I'm helping the staff, you know, like I can help the staff, but I can't help other patients or whatever, because it's not legal. It, it, the whole thing's kind of silly. But um, um, one of the aides scalded herself badly last week. She'd slipped or something with wet kettle and, she really badly scalded her whole forearm. And I was, I, I told her later, I'm proud that for, of you for the first thing you did was head for the sink and put ice cold water on it. Um, a crushed ice would have been better, but glad that you made it just immediately. And uh, I'm just going to run to the room and get something for you. And uh, I, I happen to have a little jar of my burn gel, with, which is just organic aloe vera with some lavender and German chamomile added. And um, I have to apply it. I held the jar and she used her fingers to, to rub it all over her arm and her eyes just kind of like, whoa, like it was so, so burning and the pain, she was just quite wide. I didn't, and I said, well, just, no, 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 come back at the end of your shift and do another round. Her eyes said, no, maybe just, just take it home because you're going to need it again. Just use, use this for the rest of the weekend. And if there's any left, bring it, it back to me next week, which just happened yesterday. 
and uh, she was going to go to the doctor. And I said, why? Why would you go now? There's, it's not going to blister. The pain level's down to almost the pain rate. And why would you waste... Why would you? Well, why would you waste your time and yeah. his time or her time? You know? Why? Yeah. We fixed it. You know? And yeah. Just accept, we accept that we fixed it. Powerful and thing. So yeah. it's, it feels so good when you can do something like that. Totally. You know? Totally. And there then a, you inspire others to do it as well. And I think this is what we need to do is share that practicality and know that nature provides. We just yeah. have to learn that. And so the, the walls have softened a lot in the years I've been in a player. But I still love to close so often with, I, I kind of look at my hand and I'll shake it as if it's got mud on it and kind of look at my hand and shake it again like it's got mud on it. I'll, I'll start kind of doing something with my hand and I'll shake it again and kind of thank you for coming tonight everybody but after all these years that's about how much I know because <laughs> it's true there we go. Yeah. Yeah. yeah you know there's just so much there is to know from all the different cultures you know, that I continue to learn from people from Hungary and from Brazil. One of the apes that sees me every day is uh, uh, I forget what I got a nickname for her where I just call her. No, Colombia. She's from Colombia. I said, oh, here comes Miss. Oh, she's, she corrected me. Not Miss. Mrs. She thought I was hitting on her. So here comes Mrs. Colombia. <laughs> and and uh, she's She's gotten some puppies from some of my house plants here. And it's just it's just so fun to share. Yeah. And that's the thing. And that's what we gotta keep on doing. We gotta keep the lines open. Gotta keep the lines open. Share. And that's the thing. More the more we learn, the more we realize there's so much more to learn. So, so with thank that, you. Yes. You go ahead. Thank you. I'm just, I'm just giving you a week. Well, thank you, thank you for. And it was so funny when I when I found your website, it was so funny as I went through some of the, the I knew over half of the people that you've done podcasts with. Oh yeah. Yes, yeah. most of them have been students of mine. Really? Yeah. Wow. Several people yeah. like uh, Lisa with the ozone. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah. I know, I know. You know Lisa, yeah. And I, I just call her Chef because saying Shufflemeyer or whatever is too hard, so. That's that's my nickname for her. I don't call her Lisa. I just call her Chef. And well, uh, people in this wellness field, you know each other, I think. So, it's just a matter of time. Yeah. Yes. And I wanted. And uh, yeah, yeah. But we're we're good. We gotta cut it off down. I think it's time. I gotta get running now. So I just wanted to say thank you. Hold the line for one sec. But one sec. But everyone, thank you. If you like this interview, then please share. Blaine's got so much. To share and maybe we'll have it back sometime. Blaine, do you have any books? Do you write? Do you have books? Well, oddly enough, um, I started writing a book a long time ago, and it ended up on the shelf about my trip living alone in the wilderness. Oh, right. Okay. And that's that's officially fifty years ago, and I started writing it. A lot of it was written because pens don't work when it's 25 below a lot of it was written on typewriter paper with pencils and it was starting to fade 
So some years ago, I started typing it out before I ever had a computer and um, just got into it a bit. And again, it got set on the shelf. And I finally, just in this this last, well, over the last two years, I guess, I, I've been out of my what used to be my life. At Christmas this year, it's going to be three years. Mm. It's I had my whole episode. I had a severe seizure, which triggered a stroke. Oh, wow. uh, okay. And um, if a neighbor hadn't, in my neighborhood, a lot of us, especially fellow dog owners, just a lot of us share keys a lot. And so when you're going out of town, somebody can feed your cat or water the tomatoes or water, you know, just things like that. So um, one of those women stopped by just to see what I, how I was doing that day and found me unconscious, couldn't wake me, and I was trembling a bit. So she called 911. And apparently it was already gray by the time I got to the hospital. And if she hadn't dropped in right around that time, I'd be dead. Right. So... Wow. Um, Still meant to be here for some time. But anyway, the end, so I just I didn't finish the point. So I finally finished that book. Okay. But I, I haven't figured out publishing yet. And and whether I, like, I, I, I thought, well, I, I want a book. But a lot of people are saying, well, you don't even need books anymore. Just do an audio book or whatever and forget your... Oh, we need books. Of, I like books. We need know, books. I... I, I, I I still kind of want a book, I think. Yeah. And I, I because so. because I grew up from a very young age in the boreal forest, um, that's what the book's called, is Child of the Boreal. Oh, nice. And it's wow. finished. It's it's ready to wrap. Um, yeah. I just need to find the money or whatever and sort it all out with publishing. And, right. You know. well, but, um, and it, it really, it was something I had to finish. And it was so amazing, even sitting right where I am right now, as I was at this keyboard, I have a beautiful looking up into the sun of a oak tree uh, in uh, uh, Big Park in Ontario, starts with an A. Um, Algonquin. Thank you, Algonquin Park. I was there with my wife and her family and took a couple of shots. And uh, um, I think I had, did I have a different TV then? Anyway, I'd be sitting here. Oh yeah, and the TV was up, the TV was on this side and the sound, the speakers are on the back. Right? And um, TV's behind me now somewhere over there yeah, yeah. Um, um, but the sound was bouncing off the back of the TV and at times when I was working because all day I leave the TV on this 434 is the nature channel and sometimes it turns to walruses mating or something and it's just annoying sounding but I leave it on I, I just go to sleep with it on because I just like people come to the door wondering if I have birds here because of the yeah. chirping that comes out of the room and some of the smells, and they, they stick their heads in the door. But I'd be sitting here working, thinking I was in the forest, because there's this huge, it's about a more than four foot square print right. of this tree, and I, it just felt like I was in the forest again. And I was getting, getting memories 
I was tasting things. I was smelling things. And at times, I was even feeling the texture of bark. As I worked on that book, it, it just brought back so many memories. You know, so that, that book was, it was something very special for me to finish. And I've, I've shared it with a few friends, just get for feedback. Because um, I can just, uh, I can just email you the file. I did it in Google Docs. Somebody, somebody suggested something else first, which was kind of a mess. So I worked in Docs, because apparently you can publish straight out of, out of Docs. I guess it's easy. I don't know, something like that. So it's, it's, I've got it. It's in this machine. It's Google Docs, and I've shared it with a few people. And, nice. But uh, there's some good stories there, like getting between a bear and a cub. And, yeah, that would and, be. You know, um, and at, at I was walking along very early in the morning. It was one of those just happy to be alive mornings. I'm in my line clock. Okay, got one minute left, just so I don't have to you, but I got I gotta go. So one minute, okay. <laughs> okay. So if I didn't look forward just when I did, I would have tripped over a bear's ass. And uh, the bear was busy chewing up some shrubs, roots, and two cubs yeah. that were behind me came running up. Again. Who's this guy, Mom? Can we can we play or whatever? And I got oh, to witness God. at five feet or less a bear's head turn around, nice clear white sclera, and watch the blood vessels explode wow. in her eyes. Like it's instant wow. kaboom. So that's when I would have been like a cartoon with the little circles coming off my feet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know? And wow. uh, um, I'm not gonna tell you what else happened because I'm still here. That's all you need to know because we're out of time. <laughs> all right. Okay. Anyway, someday okay. I'll have that book to sell. Yeah. Awesome, okay. looking forward to it. Yeah. Thank you. Okay, guys. Well, there we go. Wisdom from Blaine. Have yourselves a great day. Or tune in. Have yourselves a great day and tune in next Thank time. Thank you all. Thank you. Bye.